Yes, now to some insights about modern Australian challenges from a man who's uh, seen rather a lot in his time. Peter Shergold is stepping down this month from his major position as Chancellor of Western Sydney University. That's the university where a big majority of graduates come from parents who've never had any tertiary education, whatever. It's a, it's a terrific uh, institution. He's had a very wide range of jobs. He's an economist by training. He was born in the UK. He was head of Prime Minister and Cabinet uh, under John Howard. He's also become deeply involved in measuring education standards, which I'll talk to him about. But I'm particularly keen to hear how he views the government's new Universities Accord. That's what it's called. It's a review announced earlier this month with aims to advise Minister Jason Clare on long-term plans for higher education, university and vocational training. And that linkage is very important. It'll be the first broad review of the system since 2008 and the Bradley Review. And some do believe it could produce some of the biggest changes in the sector in a generation. So, Peter Shergold, uh, thank you for joining me. Thank you for the opportunity, Geraldine. Congratulations on, uh, 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 you know, um, retiring in your own <laughs> time and with a, a lot of acclaim. Um, I wonder if you could just do a sort of strengths and weaknesses overview of the sector, given that you've been so closely associated with it, uh, as this new review is underway. Very happy to do that because I'm looking back now, um, not just obviously that public service experience, but 12 wonderful years as a Chancellor out at Western Sydney University. And as you said, you know, this is the first major review of uh, universities and higher education since 2008. It's really important. Uh, Jason Clare, the Minister, has set it uh, very broad terms of reference, looking at everything from, you know, the meeting of Australia's knowledge and skills, how we can look at the uh, funding of uh, universities, uh, uh, particularly important to me, uh, access and opportunity, because I suppose if my university, Western Sydney University, stands out for anything and can really contribute from experience, it's how do you make sure that universities can be a foundation of equal opportunity in Australia? How can you make sure that young people, as they come through, no matter what their background or what their parents have done, can, if they've got the drive, the enthusiasm, the ability, actually get access to university? Yes. Well, that seems to be one of the key missions of this accord, is to improve equality of access how, I mean, have you got, obviously everybody wants that. Have you got any yeah. views about how it can be best done and achieved? Well, I, uh, my starting position is I'd say that overall universities can only be awarded probably a C plus on what's happened since 2008. If you say that, you know, um, 25% of Australians are uh, low ACS for the purposes of seeing who gets access to university. Back in 2008, it was only 15, 15%. Today, it's 17%. <laughs> I'd have to say that's not much of an improvement. You compare it with Western Sydney University and we've got and have had for years now 30% uh, plus of our students come from those low SES families. So my message is we can do it, but we need to get the policy settings right and we need to get the implementation of those policy settings right. But what's been the difference then? Has, there, has this been a whole yeah. university-wide approach at um, yeah. Western Sydney because you've had to do it because that's yeah. been your, 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 your whole group? 
It is. Look, I think uh, you've put your finger right on it. The first thing you have to do is you have to have a genuine mission that this is what you want to succeed. So for our university, it's always been that we are uh, a university of the people, for the people, an open university. You may not be able to get into university if with us straight away, but you can come in via work experience or mature age. You can come in via vocational. You can come in after school into uh, the college. I think the first thing you've got to say is get the mission right. And then, to be honest with you, Geraldine, it's hard yakka. You've got to work your area. We see ourselves as uh, an anchor institution in Western Sydney. Now, when I became Chancellor there back in um, 2011, uh, we were doing that. We were working with public uh, schools, Catholic schools, independent schools. I think I was involved in the program. It's called Fast Forward, working around schools in the area to convince young people they could, if they wanted, get to university. I think we then were working with about uh, 1,300 high school students. Last year, we had 36,000 interactions with uh, school students in that area. You know, convincing them, if they want, the opportunity is there. That's really, really important. The one thing I would add, Geraldine, though, is you've got to get the messaging right. It's not that go to university because otherwise your life is ruined and you won't have the opportunities. It's go to university if that's what you want to do. I don't want in anything we're doing in Western Sydney in a way to privilege academic pathways over vocational pathways. But I want people who want to go to university to have that opportunity and explain to them how they can aspire to that. It sounds to me, though, that there was a bit of uh, propagandising, if I can put it like that, going out and suggesting that this might be a good route because, we, as, as you said, a lot of the households would have had no exposure to tertiary education at all. Well, that's right. I mean, uh, you know, a quarter of our students are born overseas. More than that, a quarter of our students, and I'm not counting international students, a quarter of our students go home after university and speak a language other than English at home. So, you know, this is uh, quite extraordinary. And there's another message there if we're serious about uh, access and opportunity. It's actually understanding that this is not all about social disadvantage. You think of someone born overseas, a migrant or migrant parents, speaking a language other than English at home, then they come to Western Sydney University, they get an Australian degree. Uh, what we should be seeing is what an extraordinary strength we have because we've got someone who's bilingual, uh, bicultural, global perspective. In fact, what we're doing is seeing that these people bring strengths to their university degree. Mm. Look, you did emphasise um, TAFE earlier as, yep. as we spoke, and there's always been this strong distinction drawn between vocational education, you know, and private courses and universities. Uh, I wonder in these visitations to local schools and so on, how you do talk about this, because this is something mm -hmm. that really is just the tone that is used by universities is, is pretty important, and I think it bothers you. It does. Uh, it bothers me. It bothers me when I did an inquiry into transitions from senior secondary school 
into education and employment. Uh, I talked to a lot of school, school groups and it became obvious to me that ATAR, ATAR as a university ranking tool, has for many students come to define their success at the high school certificate. And that is wrong. What it tends to do in young people's minds is privilege an academic pathway over a vocational pathway. That's bad. But what's worse is that demarcation between, if you will, you know, the theoretical and the practical makes less and less sense in terms of the future labour market, which is going to require both of those skills. So to see these as dual sectors, I think, is wrong. I did a report with my uh, friend and colleague, David Gonski, uh, for the New South Wales state government, and we very argued very strongly that we need to rethink not higher education alone, but tertiary education, and in particular, how for those students who wanted, we could actually integrate the theoretical and the practical. And that's why in New South Wales, they're going to do a few demonstration projects now on uh, institutes of advanced technology, first at Meadowbank, second at Kingswood, in which we're actually going to integrate higher and vocational education in the same institution, in the same curriculum. How are you going to... I think that's really... How's that going to work? I mean, it couldn't work for something like medicine, could it? Or could it? Oh, I think it could. So the first two we're doing is um, IT and the second is construction and modern construction techniques. Uh, It works very well um, because what essentially it will say is you can stack up your credentials progressively. So you could come through the first year into this new institution. You would do that variety of theoretical and practical. It would be strongly industry focused. But during the course of that year, you will pick up a certificate for. In the second year, again, an integrated curriculum, uh, lots of micro-credential offerings, again, very well integrated and with strong industry content, and you might pick up an associate degree. And then if you carry on to the end of third year, you know, a degree in advanced technology. In other words, not making that clear demarcation. Um, it, you know, it's often not until later life that one realises, do you really want to be an electrician or an electrical engineer? We have good pathways now after school to allow you to move between sectors. What I'd really like, I think, is to convince students, first of all, any student, that they have the capacity to go to university if that's what they want. And there are also these other options, you know, options at the margin where we can actually integrate Mm. higher and uh, vocational education. I think more and more universities, incidentally, uh, are moving down that track. Well, is this the sort of thing that you think should be included in the Accord? Um, the, it's interesting, the, the members of the Accord too, I think there's really only one person, who's, I think your deputy is Barney Glover, or the Vice-Chancellor, pardon me, I yeah, think yeah, is the yeah, only... Yeah. The, I don't think I'll call deputy. him my deputy. No, 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 <laughs> I'll redo that. <laughs> um, that it's, it's, so it's an, it's an interesting range of uh, people, people like the head of Macquarie, for instance, uh, Shamara with Ramanaika. I, well. I think that's really important, that but you like, you like that lineup, do you? Not, not being a bunch of educationalists. 
Well, I think there's a lot of people there with educational perspective. And, of course, there's going to be another uh, group, I think, established by the minister which will, who have, will have more of that perspective. But, yes, I think so. One of the things that the minister has asked for is for the accord to examine the connection between higher education and vocational education, just the things I've been talking about now. I think that's important. And, and Another part, I think, of the terms of reference is how you bring together knowledge and skills. So I think the minister is on to it. But in order to achieve that, of course, I want people with, you know, deep university experience. But we need also people with industry experience, which isn't to say that you know, everybody who goes to university should study something vocational in orientation. Um, I'm actually, in some ways, much more keen that they pick up the the underlying skills, you know, the ability to solve complex problems or to communicate effectively or to collaborate in the workplace. And it seems to me you can pick that if you do political studies just as much as if you do teaching. I should point out the process will be led by the former University of Adelaide Vice-Chancellor, Professor Mary O'Kane, who was the first woman to lead an engineering uh, faculty in um, uh, Australia. So I'd better really correct myself there. Um, What about this issue of fees? Because one of their terms of reference, key areas of review, uh, student fees and government contributions, including a review of the Job Ready Graduates Program, Now, I think the Albanese government is scrapping the last government's increase to costs for an arts degree, for instance. Now, do you you think these are good moves? Well, I think we certainly need to re-examine what is the contribution that government makes to a university education and what is the contribution that students make? Remembering that if you're domestic students, you do it through, you know, an income contingent loan feed called Hex Help. So, but I think it is very roughly now, it's about 50-50. I think on average, and it is on average, students contribute about 48% of the cost of their um, higher education and the government, I think, uh, 52%. One of the things why, frankly, the Job Ready Graduates Program has been, uh, frankly, a bit of a dud is it didn't even achieve what the government wanted because it thought that if you change fee levels around, you know, made arts and uh, uh, humanities more expensive and other subjects like uh, teaching and agriculture less expensive, that would persuade people to come into universities and choose their university options. What we have discovered, in fact, what we probably knew before the Jobs Ready program, was that, you know, fees are very weak price signals for students when you don't have to pay up front, when you can get a loan. So probably just, you know, doing it on the basis where you charge more fees for this or less fees for that in order to direct people in the directions you want is not very successful. The other problem is, is it really? Yes, people are increasingly going to university with vocational intent. That's the the truth, Geraldine. You know, uh, it's not to say just acquisition of lovely deep knowledge. Yes, look, I'm all in favour of people who like me, in my degree, went to study politics and American studies. I actually think that's useful. You've got plenty of time in your life to become, if you like, more technical. But the fact is that increasingly students are going into university, wanting university education, but with a vocational orientation. You know, they, they want to think this is leading to a career. One of the challenges, I think, in universities is saying to these people, that's great. And we do want to prepare you for 
a very uncertain future labour market. But equally important from our point of view, we want to educate you to be active citizens. You know, we're living in a world in which democratic governance is you know, is under severe challenge right now. So we need to educate people that they can be full and active participants in civil society, as well as preparing themselves for uh, their careers for the next 50 years. Dare I say, how are you going to do that, though, for, 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 for um, situations that need very uh, uh, very detailed levels of technical knowledge? I mean, I'm, again, I'm going to medicine, yeah. but not just medicine, engineering. How are you going to build that in? Well, I think we, and I think universities are already starting to do this. To be honest, uh, you know, if you go and do medicine now, uh, even the way in fact students for medicine are selected is to do a lot with what we would call soft skills. Now, I hate that term, but what you obviously want is people who are not going to only just be acquire those medical and surgical skills, but be able to explain themselves, to be able to be communicate, to be able to be empathic. So we need those skills as well. The fact is, if you look to the future, um, you know, uh, professional skills we're teaching are going to come under increasing what likely to be undermined by robotic process automation and artificial intelligence. A lot of the skills we're teaching, even in medicine, about analysis and diagnosis. In 10 years' time, that will be quite quite differently um, using effectively robots. So we need to give people those wider skills, not just the technical skills, so that they can be agile and adaptable. Oh dear, that does seem like a very big brief. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> you'll watch from the sidelines, I think. I will, I will. Peter Shergold, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Professor Peter Shergold, stepping down this week, uh, this month, as uh, Chancellor of the University of Western Sydney. It's easier than ever to hear your favourite local and national ABC radio stations, live and on demand on the ABC Listen app.